0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However...
3: Hi, and welcome to the latest edition of The Real EFL podcast. I'm Hannah and today I'm joined by Keelan, um, a little bit of a change from Liam. You may remember Keelan, he was our guest on I think possibly the very first EFL podcast uh, where we were talking about uh, Peterborough and Sheffield Wednesday and at the time I've felt guilty about it since so I'm glad that I have the opportunity to apologise to, to you Keelan. We thought you were going to walk the playoffs after the first leg so um, thanks for coming back. I'm um, I'm glad we've. I hope we've been forgiven.
4: Yeah, no, always forgiven. I think no one could have predicted what what happened <laughs> at Hillsborough, and yeah, I know. I know a few people on the WhatsApp chat wanted me back on to talk about the second leg at Hillsborough. Yeah. There was no chance that was happening, so <laughs> I'm glad, glad to be back on now and and not specifically talking about Peterborough. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so we've got a bit of a special this uh, this afternoon, this evening. Whenever you're listening to it, uh, we're joined by um, someone who it would not be superfluous superlative to refer to him as a legend. He's an icon of, um, of football. So uh, we're joined today by Neil Redfern. Keelan and I um, are absolutely delighted to have you here today, Neil. And um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Neil's career, he um, has. Well, he played 790 games in the Football League, which is the sixth highest of all time, and a career that spanned more than a thousand first team appearances. Uh, and then Lace went on to have a very um, successful managerial career. So thanks for joining us today, Neil. Um, we're very happy to have you.
5: Uh, lovely to be here, Anna.
3: Um, right, so we'll, I think we'll start with um, with playing, if that's okay, and, and thinking yeah. back and then um, move on to uh, your managerial career and, and what your plans are next. So you uh, you started your career at 17 at Bolton. Yes. At that stage, was did you ever kind of anticipate or expect or maybe there was a certain amount of, um, of confidence that your career would have the longevity that it did?
2: Well,
5: because no, I mean, I, initially I started at Nottingham Forest as an apprentice, um, but I left Forest because I was homesick. I actually signed mm-hmm. when I was 15, which was just before my 16th birthday, um, which was really young and probably too early. Um, left Forest, came back, had trials at Leeds United, Bradford City and Bolton Wanderers. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, I signed for Bolton Wanderers and, um, Two story um, in, uh, about Bolton Wanderers. When, before I signed, I, I met the the manager there. At The time was George Mulall, Um and my dad, um, who's been a big influence on my career. Um, he, he he met George uh, with me at Eaton Golf Club, all the glamorous <laughs> places, and um, basically just to outline, you know, with George what it would mean to sign for Bolton, and. Um, You know, they got down to, you know, the the, the contract and the money and everything like that. And my dad, because my dad probed 15 years, so he he knew the game. So he basically said to George Mullall, he says, What if he gets in your first team? He says, What about appearance money? And Mm -hmm. um, George went, Well, he's only 17. He says, I've seen your first team, he'll get in it. And that was it. And, you know, after that, I, I would have maybe two or three months after that and then made my debut at Rotherham at 17, mm-hmm. um, you know, and had th- another 35 appearances for Bolton before moving on.
3: And you, you spoke about in the beginning having uh, trials at Leeds as well. You're, you're a Leeds yes. boy. You're a Leeds United fan. Was yeah. that, um, at that stage, was it, a, I, I don't know, a conscious decision to go to Bolton and, and not play for Leeds or...?
5: Um, no, I mean, I, I mean I'd mean, love to sign for Leeds. The manager at the time was Alan Clark, Um mm. And Brian Clough, basically, um, it was Ronnie Fenton who, who did the work, but basically they let me go to Leeds on trial. Um, they let me go to Bolton on trial and, and Bradford City. Well, at the time, Bradford City were managed by Roy McFarland, who was obviously, who played for Brian Clough at Derby. So it was like they were doing Roy McFarland a favour, sending me there. Um, and then obviously the Leeds won because... I'd suggested Leeds, you know. I wanted to go at Leeds, um, and then Bolton Wanderers came because, because of a, a an old guy that was a scout um, that that used to go and, and watch us a lot when I was playing like schoolboy football. Um, you know, and got friendly with my father, and and he was desperate to sign me. Um, so I mean, that that's how the three clubs came about. And um, in the end, Clough and Forest accused uh, Leeds of tapping me up. <laughs> So so and they wanted a fee of five thousand pounds, which for for a sixteen year old then was yeah. a lot of money. Um so obviously it was gonna be Bolton. So they start I ended, ended up getting pushed that way, really. Yeah.
3: So you, and you left know, the dad the idea of your dad as your agent.
5: Yeah, well I was fortunate because you know, I mean I, I, I left Forest and really, I mean, took a chance because that could have been it. Mm-hmm. You know, that that could have been, you know, me done, but you know, um Having, having a father that played professional football that many times, I, I had the confidence in my own ability to go and prove myself at other clubs. And, and obviously then, you know, the Bolton thing came up and it, and it was it was perfect.
4: Mm-hmm. Obviously, you played for a, a lot of other clubs, minus Bolton, you're yeah. up at Lincoln City, obviously. And it might be a bit of a, a sensitive question so early on, but you played on the day of the Bradford Stadium fire when you were at Lincoln?
5: I did, yeah, I did, uh, Keelan, yeah. I mean it was um it it was a game that was a celebration for Bradford City because mm-hmm. they they'd, they'd actually won the um the, the the third division championship um and they got promoted. Um so they kicked off five minutes after three o'clock so they could parade the trophy around Valley Parade. Um, you know, we we still needed points to stay up. Um, you know, but what unfolded after that was was just you know surreal you know it it live with me for you know forever it's just it was just a horrific event um you know there was such bravery from firemen and policemen and stewards you know at, at the club and um it was just a, such a sad day which well really it should have been a celebration of bradford mm-hmm. getting promoted
3: yeah and um was was that was it something that I mean, you talked about how it stays with you forever was it some did you kind of struggle in going back to play football in the next season was did anything kind of change for you or was it just you know almost put in a box and and then move on
5: well it, I mean it was such a surreal um set of events that uh-huh. it, it was difficult to sort of calculate to be honest with you you know yeah. and and you know when, when when that time comes around every year, it, it brings back them memories. You know, um, selfishly like everybody does. My dad was in the stand. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my father-in-law. You know, my dad's friends because obviously being a Bradford lad, it was a you know a big game even though I'm playing mm-hmm. for Lincoln City. Um, and your own your own selfishness, you just want to make sure that everybody's you know and your family's all right. And you know for long enough. It was just trying to find out. Um, you know, it's, it, you know I, I mean, I played for Bradford City years after in the mm-hmm. Premier League. And, um, you know, I, I can remember every time I turned out on the pitch and I looked at the main stand, it just still comes back. You yeah. know, whether you think it doesn't or it does, it does, you know, because mm-hmm. of what happened and what it meant. Um, but, you know, it, 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 a really tragic set of events.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, after your time at Lincoln, you went to Barnsley, where you cannot speak to anyone from the area or involved in the club or even played against the club who doesn't speak about you in kind of hushed terms. And is that? Tell us a little bit about your time at Barnsley, and if there was a, a particular moment for you that stood out as as being memorable, or
5: um, whether it was it was all just a, a,
3: a joyful period in your career.
5: Yeah, well, it, I mean, initially, um, I mean, I went there on loan initially. It was Mel Machen that signed me, um, and I and I and I'd sort of been at that till that point. I mean, I've been at Lincoln, Doncaster Palace, Watford, Oldham, you know, before I got to Barnsley, and i had been a bit of a journeyman, you know, I was sort of quite hot-headed, you know. For me, if I got picked, great. If I didn't, I wanted to go, you know, black or white. You know, I'd had run-ins with managers and. I mean, I arrived at Barnsley and um, there was something about Barnsley that just felt right, you know. I, I knew I had to settle down as a player. Um, I'd be around that 26, 27 mark. So I'll so write in my pump, perhaps, as a, as a player, right there in my abilities. Um, initially, we were bang average. Mel Murchin brought me in and we were, we were an average um, championship side. Um, you know, we, we steered clear of relegation the first season. And, and then obviously Mel Machin got sacked not long after that, and you know that was the advent of Viv Anderson and Danny Wilson coming in. Um, Viv had a, a, a short spell. Obviously, I knew Viv from my time at Forest. Um, he came as a player manager. Did a good job. Um, wasn't quite right for him. It didn't quite take off. And then Danny Wilson took over, and he took over as a player manager. And you know you, you've got a guy here that was you know, maybe five foot seven. If that, and he got the heart of a lion, you know, and 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 he drove this Barnsley side forward, and he got this belief and this of, of how we wanted us to play, and, and how we wanted us to, you know, play this attacking football. Um, and then we got the, you know, we got the tag of like just like watching Brazil, you know, and at times some of the football we played was was out of the top draw. and it it just sort of grew, and as it grew and my enjoyment grew, I think in the end I was there like seven eight seasons and. Um, you know, I just I just associated myself with the club, the people. I'm about am a you know, I'm a Yorkshire fella, so you can't get any more Yorkshire than Barnsley. <laughs> just, um and you know, we, it was just a perfect match. And um, you know, for, for me it was a time when I prop like I said, I was right at the height of my powers. I was playing well, I was scoring goals, you know, I had double figures every season. You know, I had the goal record of a striker, really, not not a midfield player. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I, I just really enjoy my time there. Yeah,
3: 292 appearances and 72 goals, as you said. So uh, across across seven seasons, it's, it's pretty good as a midfielder. Yeah.
4: I was just going to mention, yeah. as well, Oh, sorry. Yeah,
3: okay. so
5: mate.
4: Yeah. It's just going to mention as well. Obviously, you talked about Danny Wilson being a player manager at your time at Oakwell. Yeah. Uh, Barnsley. and obviously later in your career you took on a combined player manager role at Scarborough was it?
5: Halifax. Oh, was
4: it Halifax? Halifax.
5: Yeah, Halifax. Halifax and oh. Would you yeah. say
4: that 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 sort of mantle of going into management after playing was it sort of a natural thing as a as having quite good leadership qualities or
5: Yeah, no, that's a great question, Keelan. Um I, I, I just feel that um yeah, I mean I were a captain at most most sides of played at. Um, so we're a natural leader, you know, and, and obviously the, the transition into coaching and management. You know, when I, when I signed for, for Halifax Town, I initially signed as a player coach uh, under Paul Bracewell. You know, and I thought Paul were going to be there for the duration of the two and a half years I signed. And I think he lasted two and a half months and left. So, <laughs> so I got left with the caretaker manager's role. Um And to be honest with you, a caretaker manager and a player, it, it's... Near on impossible, mm-hmm. you, just an impossible role. You you can't do it. I've only been sent off twice in my career, both times for Halifax Town as player, <laughs> uh, player manager. Believe it or not, um, and it's just sheer frustration. You know, you. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, Paul Brashaw when he brought me and he said he said, listen, he says you, you'll breeze this level even at your age. He says, but your teammates can't. He says, and they've mm-hmm. got to give you the ball. <laughs> So at least they were honest. Do you know what I mean? It, it was, you know, there it, it, it was there was no there was nothing hidden. Um, but what Halifax Town did indirectly, for all the struggles that we had, I mean, it was a fantastic learning curve as a manager um, because we got kicked off the training. Our training ground was a local park's pitch, and we used to get kicked off by the local council. But, <laughs> And what they do is they they let you put all the cones out and the bibs and the balls and then they hide behind it. The tr- and then they come out and say, no you can't you know <laughs> and they mix collect them all up again and go go and train somewhere else so we we basically got absolutely nothing um, but we still got to win football matches you know and mm. uh, and to be honest with you the, the struggles that I had at Halifax probably kept Leeds United up <laughs> from attacking Leeds as a manager it did because. I got a lot better resources. I got better players. It was a team that was in a similar position, struggling near the foot of the table. But I knew how to keep them up. (laughs) And that was through, you know, my times at such as Halifax Town.
3: So thinking about Leeds, you had uh, three spells there as a caretaker manager before you took over as the permanent first team manager. How did your time as caretaker manager prepare you for that permanent position?
5: Uh the, the, the beauty of the beauty of my time at Leeds was um I basically knew the club inside out. You mm-hmm. know, I, I was there under Simon Grayson, who's a fantastic manager, had great success. Um, you know, got Leeds promoted into the championship. Um, you know, I was there under um Brian McDermott, I was there under um, you know, different managers, you know, managers from overseas. Um and you, you basically, you, you see a broad spectrum of the club. But because I've got a feel for the club and because, you know, through different managers, I, were, I was sort of first team manager, first team coach. Um, you know, when, when Brian McDermott was our first team coach, under-21s coach. Um, so I had one foot in both camps. You know, I had these young players that were coming through. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, Brian was aware of that and I, I was a you know a fantastic tool for him actually at the club because you know it gave him the insight of of the academy downwards um and in the end you know we, we brought through i mean i'm i'm a, I give calvin his debut calvin phillips we, we brought through players like sam Byron, lewis cook charlie taylor mm-hmm. you know made the club millions i mean these these guys got sold a best part of 100 million I reckon.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: um and 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 they played in that league united side and they were good enough you know and we'd got good pros um people that were accepting of that that transition with young players coming in and it made a big difference
3: and ultimately when you left your first team role at Leeds you had the opportunity to go back to the academy given yeah. your obvious passion for um for kind of uh, nurturing these lads coming through was that particularly hard to work walk away from or was it more that kind of given the difficulties with um and everything that had gone on that it was just untenable to continue on at the club
5: well that's a really easy question to answer because (laughs) i wanted to stay and Mm -hmm. i wanted to go back into the academy yeah the owner wanted to put me in the garden on gardening leave for Mm -hmm. the duration of a contract so you know it's I would have been, I'd have been sat at home for the duration of my contract yeah. until something. Gave. So you know, the, the the owner put it in me in such a position where I couldn't do anything else but resign. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what I did uh, at Leeds is, is stayed with me. You know, maybe one of the, the greatest achievements I've, I've had because even though you know we, we finished fifteenth and there's nothing special about that. Well, fourth from bottom when I took over. Mm-hmm. Um, when we finished we were 15th and and, and 9 points off the playoffs so to take a group of players that were nearly bottom and and finish you know only just outside the playoffs then you've done something right and then introduce young players which were assets for the club and I think sometimes it sort of gets overlooked you know but that was a good time that was a good time for Leeds United because it stopped the rot Mm -hmm. you know I don't think you'd have seen Marcelo Bielsa if Leeds had got relegated Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have First, first division club no mm-hmm. way um so it was an important time really
3: yeah and that must have been incredible as a fan to be involved in
5: your own oh, club weird. at that level weird, weird. It, were yeah, it was brilliant <laughs> yeah honestly I, I used to turn around i used to stand in the dugout in the technical area and i used to turn around and i could see where i used to sit with my dad as a kid <laughs> in the west amazing <laughs> yeah, you know and and but and I, and I, and because I, I was a Leeds United supporter myself, I knew what Leeds United supporters were all about. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I, listen, I, I love them a bit, but I can remember sat there with my dad in the stand and seeing these great players like Paul Reaney and Hunter and Brenner and Jack Charlton, Alan Clark. You know these mm-hmm. legends at Leeds. And if they weren't winning after twenty minutes, they'd get stick. Yeah. You know I mean, so I knew what I knew what to expect from the Leeds. Fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was dead easy for me um and i knew that you know there's there's three results in football two is acceptable one isn't mm-hmm. so a win and a draw is acceptable at leeds united there's one result that's accepted you've got to win hmm. you've got to win they want they want you winning and they want to see you winning every week um and i knew all that so i knew what i was coming into um and, and we managed to get you know what we needed to do um to, to keep leeds in in the division
4: yeah, so I obviously, I, I don't know why I'm saying obviously, but I live in Leeds and went to university in Leeds. Right. Yeah, know exactly what you mean, because you walk out on like a match day out into Leeds City Centre and there's Leeds shirts everywhere. It's almost like a religion to the people of the city. Yeah. And I get so, so involved in it. So would you say, would you have done anything differently in hindsight with your time as a manager at Leeds or... Do you not have any regrets on the table from your absolutely,
5: time? After? Absolutely no regrets. You know, I, I know in my heart I saved the club. Mm-hmm. I think if they'd have got relegated, they'd have been back to, you know, they'd have been back to plan plan A again. Um, you know, and, and I think that because of my understanding of being at the club for that length of time, um, you know, the, the, the pride in bringing these young players through. You know, I mean, I, I interviewed for another 21 job recently and... Um, you know, talking to one of the interviewers and they asked me what, you know, what, 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 what was the highlight of, you know, being a player developer? And I was saying mm. the journey following these young players that I brought into the mm. first team, you know, I talked about Calvin Phillips and Cook and mm. Moore, Taylor, all them. There's hardly anybody in the country that's had that journey mm. from academy to first team and followed them all the yeah. way through and then managed them at first team level. Yeah. Um, so really in a unique position, you know, mm. and, and that, managed to do all that at Leeds which was you know which was really important.
3: Did it change that experience and seeing that side of the club did it change your perspective of the club as a fan or when you left did you just go kind of go back to to following them as a um as a supporter in the stands?
5: Yeah no I mean listen um people come and go at Mm -hmm. football clubs um you know Rightly or wrongly, probably wrongly, you know the, the owner decided it was my time to go. You know, he, I, it would be easy. The the, the the thing is, as well, with you know, with my time at, at, at Leeds, and when I look, sometimes it's when you're there and you're in it and you're in the heat of it. It's, it's, mm. it's sometimes it's easy to just judge off the off the top of your head. Um, but sitting back and, and thinking back at the times and, and, and what happened. You know, you, you you're talking about an owner that's come from a country where, what he did was normal. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what happens in Italy. I'm not probably yeah. to that degree. You know, he no. probably was a little bit hot-headed, but you know, it, it was a cultural change for him. So I'm I'm you know I'm not I'm not down on him or you know, but I did what I needed to do and I was strong. You know, at a time when you've got a you know a, a, an owner that was erratic. Um and I and I shielded the players from all that, you know, and I made sure that we did what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a really important time, you know, and, and the stuff that I had before, you know, like I said, I mentioned about Halifax and I was at Boston United with Steve, uh, Neil Thompson as a player coach and mm-hmm. you know I had set a spell at Scarborough like um Keelan mentioned. Um and these were all places with with, with no resources. You know, no, 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 no budget to go after things, and you know, so you, you're learning the hard way. You know, but and you don't know that these these experiences are going to help you like they did. You know, at Leeds, but um, stood me in great stead for that.
3: We're going to have a quick break for adverts, and then we'll be back in a minute.
1: Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home, and do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favorite teams, players, shows, and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast.
4: So obviously, you mentioned your affiliations, With um, Barnsley and Leeds, but you played for a a whole host of clubs throughout your career. Oldham, who else? Sorry, Oldham, Lincoln, Bradford. Would you say that you have any ties to those clubs that you played for? And do you keep an eye on certain clubs and their results just as a neutral, just keeping interest in them?
5: Oh yeah, I mean every club, every club I've I've played for are represented and. If you don't invest yourself in in that club when you're playing or managing or coaching, then you're not doing it right, you know. And, and it, it doesn't matter whether you're there two months, two years, you know, you 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 you're you getting affiliation with them, you know. I look out for all all the clubs, you know. I have a soft spot for all of them, you know. I'm 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 talking here that, you know, when when I weren't deemed fit, I mean, I finished I, my last game. I was, I was 38 year old when I played my last football league game for. For Rochdale, and it was the only club I didn't score for, and that that niggled me a little bit, like but um, but again, you know, after that, I, went, I played for like Stocksbridge, Frickley, you know, Bridlington, I play for Bridlington, you know. It, and I think that if if you love playing, then you know, what what makes these clubs any different from any of the other clubs you play in the football league? If you love playing, then you love playing. And I think that, um, you know, I, just, I didn't want to come in, I wanted to keep playing out, so I kept playing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, when, and when you were um, continuing to play out kind of towards the end of your career, was that thousandth appearance something that you were consciously working towards? Or was it something that just came about and um, was a happy
5: milestone? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't really look at any of them. You know, the, the, the amounts of games. I, I mean, I knew I played a lot of games, Um you know, but I, I didn't really sort of have them as a target. I mean, I remember the thousands, you know, um, first-class game and, you know, that was for Bradford Park Avenue, um, you know, and obviously Bradford Park Avenue was one of my dad's former clubs. Yeah. You know, so my dad was there and that was a proud moment. You know, i get a shirt with a, with a thousand on because, um, you know, but um, th- there weren't really targets that I, I just wanted to keep playing. That's the truth, and you know, and um, I love scoring goals. You know, I, I, I love that. Um, You know, we're obsessed with scoring goals. I think that, you know, it's it often frowned on that word obsession in football. You know, about playing different, you know, playing and developing players. But mm-hmm. for me, my experience tells me if you want to be good at anything, you've got to be obsessed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've got to live it. You've got. I mean, I used to say it to the 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 young players at Leeds United. You know, the the young strikers. I and they used to laugh. You know, I used to have a laugh with them and that. But they used to say, you know, before you when you wake up in the morning, first thing goals, think goals, striker. Before you go to bed on the night, think goals. Mm-hmm. And they always say, well, why? Are you? Because you've got to get obsessed with it. Yeah. You've got to get obsessed with scoring. If you're obsessed with it, then you'll find a way to get. It. Um. You know. And. and um, and and that's you know these are the lessons that football teaches you
3: yeah and do you think um those lessons that you've then kind of taken through into management are you a better manager because of that playing experience having seen both sides of the coin
5: yeah I mean there's a I mean football's a funny thing you know I mean I mean people go and they look at win ratios and you know, and, and as a manager and your experiences and what you've won and all that, but the experience comes in different guises. I mean, mm-hmm. like I just here to you there, the, the, the struggles at Halifax Town kept Leeds United up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if if you're an owner and you're looking in, you've got to look at the broad spectrum of experiences that, that people have had. Yeah. You know, not the managers look at the fact that, oh, he's got a 40% win ratio, he must be a good player. I mean, a perfect example would be Tony Adams. Tony Adams got the Wickham job, right? Mm. And all he'd ever done at Arsenal was wins. Yeah. European Cups, uh, Premier League tri- uh, titles, FA Cups. He'd only ever won. Now he went to a club that that, that had only ever lost. So you've got a manager that only ever won at a club that only ever lost, and and mm. and he found it difficult. You know what I mean? Because he'd never ever been in that position where you know his team were losing every other week. You know, so you. These experiences are key, you know, they're vital to, to, to making you, you know, into a manager or, a, or somebody who can pass that experience on to other people.
4: Obviously, you had that uh, management post at Leeds and those few caretaker jobs. You went to Rotherham United as well as a manager, yeah, but then you ended up. Making your way into women's coaching with your role at Doncaster Bells in 2017. Just wondering how you got involved with the Bells, really.
5: Yeah, well, um, Donnie Bells basically came from I was I'd, I'd left Roch- uh, Rotherham and um, I was in between jobs, you know, I, I weren't coaching. Um, and my partner Lucy, Lucy Ward had played women's football for quite a long time at, at Leeds United, and one of her teammates with a girl called Julie Grundy, who was the development coach at um, at Noncaster Bells. And, you know, I got a call and, you know, she said, would you mind coming down and putting a session on for the girls? And um, so I came down and I worked with them and, you know, and then they said, you know, can you do it for the month? So I came down, and did it for the month. And then, you know, do you fancy doing it till the end of the season? And which I did. And then we ended up, we won the points. We won the league by 10 points got promoted, but we couldn't go up because we didn't have the infrastructure to go into the top <laughs> black. But well, the girls were brilliant, you know, and, and initially I used it as a... I wanted to know how different people learn and, mm-hmm. and how they did things and how they took things on board and, you know, what worked as a coach um, in the women's game and could, could some of the stuff from the men's game work the same? Do you have to coach differently? you Are coaching different people? Um you know, and, and, I, and I used it as a a learning exercise really initially, um, and then obviously, you know, I left Bells at the end of the season because Liverpool Liverpool Women came in, um, you know, and, and then I took that job on. But um, but no, fantastic. I mean, I love I love working with the girls. Brilliant. You know, the the the, the different 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 mentality towards it. There's not the same. There's not the same rewards as what there is in the men's game actually financially yeah. and. And, and the rest of it, but there's something that's there's something about the women's game that's 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 like um, that's true to the game, you know. That, that was there when I was a young player. When there mm. weren't much money about, you know, you're doing it because you love doing it, you know. And there's a lot of these girls that, have, I mean, the, the last job I had, we at Sheffield United, believe it or not, Sheffield United. I mean, we had the worst budget in the division, 117 grand. We were paying girls like five, six grand a week uh, a month, mm-hmm. you know a year, sorry, which is basically covers the petrol money. And yeah. yet we're competing in the second division against teams with budgets of 2.5 million. You know, so you've got to respect them people for putting themselves out that much. You know, that, that's that's a big thing, you know, to do a massive commitment. And I used to see these girls travelling from, you know, or coaching at Sheffield and they were travelling from Blackburn and Burnley and, you know, what a commitment. And working through the day, Yeah, you know, you know Mo Salah do not have to do that. You know, and, and all the other players. Um, so you know, you, you you respect that, you know, because that's a, that's purely about a love for the game.
3: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting as well to see what happens over the next couple of years. Obviously, already seeing that kind of increase, increased interest and investment at the like women's super league level, but again, that's not yet filtering down to yeah. the the lower leagues. I think it'll be interesting to see how how. That side of the game adapts and, and evolves in the same way. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you've had a, a, a bit of a front seat to so that evolution of the women's game, and and I yeah. guess from last year, it, it will continue to evolve.
5: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that more sides are recognising it. I mean, if, if it was if it was me, um, I would bring a ruling. You know, first of all, I'd let the Premier League run it instead mm-hmm. of the FA. You know, because I don't think the FA have got the resources. I think the Premier League would have. So I think if the Premier League took over the WSL and the Championship, I think that would be a big plus because mm-hmm. to get finance to put into it. Um, for me, if if you're a Premier League club or a Championship club, you should have a women's team. End of. There's, mm-hmm. there's no excuse for you not, because mm-hmm. you know for the for the amount it costs to run a women's a women's team and you know to pay them properly, they've dropped more running for the bus. You know what I mean. So it's 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 nothing for them. They should do it. Um, so for me, it's a no-brainer. And the women's game's improving. You know, it's vastly improving. Look at the World Cup. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of the, Af- uh, the you know the, the the new teams that have come into it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Have got some fantastic players. Yeah. You know, it's um, I think it's a real credit. You know, it's it's brilliant. Yeah.
3: So. You left uh, Sheffield United Women last year. What's what's next? You talked. You know, you've had this incredible portfolio career that, um, you know, men's football, women's football, the um, talent identification and nurturing and, and recruitment side. Where does your passion lie as as you enter the next chapter in your career?
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's a good question. You know, I'm my, my love for the game is exactly the same. Um, I've got a real broad knowledge base, you know, of, of different experiences, good and bad, all important. You know, mm-hmm. the, the bad ones are important as the good ones. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with loads of different owners. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've come to sort of, I've, I've come to, I've mellowed a little bit as I've got older, if you like, you know what I mean? I've sort of, I, I see the reasoning behind things, um, which, is, which has, which made has made me better, you know, mm-hmm. at, at delivering and, and getting the, the right messages across. Um, I mean, I think I, I think I'd be perfect for a, you know, a young coach, young head coach, young manager to, to, to sort of mentor and, and work with. Um, you know, because of the experiences that I've had. You know, I, I mean, I had something similar. I worked with Ben Dawson at Newcastle United. You know, he was taking the under-21s, and I came in and, and helped him on the coaching side a little bit. Um, and I loved it. You know, I mean, Ben, Ben, Ben drove it. You know, he was in charge of it. Ben, Ben ran it. Um, you know, but I could see things, and you know, see things from my experience, which, you know, which helped him. And mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, and I think sometimes, you know, if if you love the game and you and you and you love what it's about, you know, actually giving something back is is a nice nice feeling. You mm-hmm. know, and, and giving these players the benefit of, you know, of what you've had and what you've learned. Um, yeah. so I think something in that sort of role would be would be good for me i think
3: i think the mentoring would be really interesting particularly with that cohort of coaches that haven't had that playing experience because you bring both sides you bring this kind of wealth of um of management experience but also a very long career playing and and the different um managers that you've played under as well and the influences that you've um that you've drawn from those are there people that you would that would you would say have influenced your your managerial career that you played under or that you you've worked alongside over the years?
5: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the the, the game does change and it has evolved. You know, we know far far more now. You know, we're we're far more aware of as physicality. You know, out 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 to stay at peak mm-hmm. for longer, um, tactically and technically, we we're, we're, we're more astute you know, as, as, a, as a group of coaches or, you know, however you want to put it, head coaches. Um, you know, the social psychological side, I think we're getting in tune with that now. I think that was, you know, that it never happened in my in my playing career. You know, you, 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 know, you had to deal with success and failure. You know, how, how you had to deal with it, you just had to be strong and, and, and try and work around it. And not everybody's the same. You know, not not everybody, you know, you can't measure that against everybody. So, you know, th- these are key areas, you know, where you where you can add some some expertise. Um, I think the game gets better. You know, I, I mean, I've seen old pros when I've been a young player come on and saying, ah, well, it's not as good as when I played. It is. <laughs> it's getting better, it, you know, and, and it's wrong to sort of, You know, say it weren't as good when I played. It's got miles better. It's got quicker, technically better. Managers are more aware. Um, You know, there's more staff. You know, I I mean, I've been on team photographs where there's a kit man, um, a physio, a manager, and that's it. There's about 20 staff now on these (laughs) team photographs, which is great because, you know, the game's evolving. That's what it's about. Um, So, you know, I I think the game's in, in, in a good place.
4: And then obviously, moving on to the management situation at your, your beloved Barnsley. Yes. At the moment, they've gone for a bit of an inexperienced head coach in Neil Collins. Would you just like to comment on maybe the situation at Oakwell going into the, the next League 1 campaign from your perspective?
5: Well, I remember Neil at, uh, at Leeds because he was one of Simon Grayson's signings. He played in the side that got promoted. Um, good player centre-half, you know, probably a shoo-in for a manager, I would say, because he was a leader, led from the back. Um, You know, he's he's been out in America, he's been successful in America, you know, in in the MLS and, you know, he's had a lot of success out there. Um, And what Barnsley are excellent at is they're very astute, you know, with the data and in the technology of, you know, the stats of managers and and coaches and players. Um, And they seem to Pick them out, you know, and, and and they do well. I mean, I can I can see I can see Neil doing well. You know, is a he's a manager that's he's up and coming. He's he's got some great ideas. Um, he's got John Stead with him. You know, he's a vastly experienced football man. You know, he's he's, he's had a long career and a, a successful career. Um, and and they're both young. They're both current. You know, so I would say to be honest with you, that that's a good appointment for me. Yeah, um, they're
3: obviously issues off the pitch but hopefully yeah. some of those will be resolved is that something i i mean we talked about uh selino but that kind of i don't know when off the field impacts on the field in terms of points deductions and and financial penalties is that incredibly hard to deal with as a as a manager knowing that you've had nothing to do with it and and no influence over it
5: yeah, I mean, it, I mean, obviously, it comes in different guises, you know, mm-hmm. different set of circumstances. You know, you you obviously know, so talking about Massimo Cellino. That you, you're talking about a one man owner, you know, that you know, micromanaged,
0: mm-hmm. You know, and that,
5: that's the norm in Italy. You know, that, that's that's how they operate. Um, but it, it's 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 how you deal with that set of circumstances as mm-hmm. a as an head coach. It do, doesn't help. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because y'all want y'all want the best budget. Y'all want to be able to get the best players in. You know what I mean? Y'all want the best backing. You want patient owners, but it, it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? So, and then the stuff that goes with football clubs. You know that, that sometimes it's it, it, it it's maybe not that the current owners doing, or you know what I mean? Well, it's has yeah. been it's been there for a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they've sort of got lumbered with it, and they've got to try and deal with it. But um, you know. I, it, it's important that you know that, that it's important that the pyramid's kept intact and that it's looked after because you know it can't always be about the Premier League. You know yeah. the, the the AFL is is really important. You know it's 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 the bulk of the pyramid. You know the, the most the, the, you know the, 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 you've got the most sides in there, the, the most support in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and um, you, you you've got to give it due care and diligence, and you've got to make sure it's looked after.
3: And I, I mean, you've been involved at obviously Barnsley, but also Wigan and Oldham have yes. both had their own their own issues. But Oldham look to be kind of making a resurgence and on, and on the up. So it would be nice to see their fortunes reversed. And, and and Wigan, at least for now, appears to be relatively stable and um, going into League One this year with uh, with some optimism.
5: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously, Oldham, they have they, got the dropped on the right owner, Frank. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Um, you know, he's Oldham athletic. He's Oldham lad. He's Oldham athletic fan. Um, you know, he, he's up front. He 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 does what he says he's going to do. He backs the team. Mm-hmm. He puts money in. You know, they're, they're in a division that's tough to get out of. You know, David Unsworth is a, is a is a, is a great coach. You know, he's, he's a really good head coach. Um, they picked up really well last season. You know, towards the end of the season, they got some great results. They've got to be one of the fanciest side this season. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's for David. You know, because he's got to carry that. You got to carry the weight of that expectation. But I think he will. You know, and I think it, it could be it could be Oldham's turn next season to, to get back in the football league. Um, you know, Wigan. It, it's just been one thing after another. It's it's tough. Yeah. You know, and, and 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 I get that. But you know, I, I covered Wigan. Two or three times last year for for Talk Sport and you know watched their game of so much Sheffield United, and you know the, the, there's some good stuff there. You know they, they they didn't look like a team that were down or downtrodden. No. You know they've got relegated, but there's enough in there, there's enough spirit in there, enough knowledge in there. You know, and like you say, if if in the background there's some stability, then there's no reason why they can't come back up. Okay,
1: um,
3: and and last question, what? advice would you give to someone transitioning from a playing career into a managerial career
5: yeah that's a good question that's a good question honey. Yeah, I, um, I would say that I would definitely be genuine be yourself mm-hmm. because you know if if for whatever reason you know if you're there however hour long when you when you come, you come to look at it in the cold light of day and you want to assess it then you want to have the feeling that you, you you've been in there and that you've been yourself. You know, they've set you on to be yourself. Um it, listen to everything, you know, to trust trust your people around you. You you've got to give responsibility, you know what I mean? And you've got you've got to empower people. You know, you you can't do the job on your own. And and it's how you it's how you embrace that, you know, and and how you include the staff and you know, and and, and um, you know, the owners and the directors and you know, it's dialogue's important. You know, and you find that as you as you're going on as a as a young manager coming through, and you know, you, you, you need to talk to people. You know, you can't isolate yourself. You know, and, and um, you know, and have that enthusiasm. You know, because you're at the top of it. Because if you're not enthusiastic, how can your players be enthusiastic? You know, and you've got to you've got to come in with a smile on your face. If you've got beat, you pick it up. You go again and you win the next game, and and, and you've, you've got to have that strength, that inner strength, you know, and, and I think that what's what's good about the modern-day game is we're far more aware of, us, you know, as feelings and what we are as people, and, you know, and you hear loads of coaches saying that, you know, it's about the person and all that, and it's right, it is, you know, it's a, it's about different people. We're not all the same, you know, we, we don't all carry different, you know, we all carry different ways of doing things, um, and I think if you've got that, you know, then I think you've got a great chance.
3: Excellent. Is there anything else that you wanted to um, to talk about that we haven't had the opportunity to?
5: Um, no, not really. I mean, I think we've sort of covered most things, haven't we? It's um, you know, I, I think it's it's nice to come on that. You know, I, I enjoy the fact that you know, I'd really like to put something together at some point to sort of have as a you know to, to sort of present to, you know young managers, young players, young mm. people trying to make their way in the game because. You know, it's it's a ruthless business. You know, and and there's not many people. You know, get to be professional footballers, and you know, and you know the people that love it and support it and still want to play. You know, there's got to be something there for everybody because, you know, the game is for everybody.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that mentoring side of it's really interesting, and and that's a resource that I, I don't know, I, I don't know whether it's you know something that's available through through clubs or through the FA or through the EFL. Um, and you certainly have the um, the experience and and are well positioned to take on a role like that, and I'm sure would be very very valued um, to your mentees. Yeah, right well um we'll let Neil go. Thank you so much for your time. Um it's been a wonderful experience to uh, to listen to your career and and all of the advice and and knowledge that you've even imparted. So thank you so much again.
5: Yeah, thank you. Anna. Thanks, Caleb. Cheers. Thank, thank
3: you. you. Um we'll be back to um our normal League 1 and League 2 podcasts this week. Um you can find them on all of the normal uh, podcast networks. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.
2: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: It's the 90th minute and all your mates are around watching your team on iFollow You've got your McNugget share box on the go, and do you know what? Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then later on you steal in, grab the last nugget, and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in. Help will participate in restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms
0: apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.